Thanks, as always, for listening to Fluff and Crunch. In this episode, Chris and I take two famous literary and cinematic, both of them each, properties, and we take the party of characters, the adventurers, if you want to call them that, and we try to figure out how one would make these as characters using a very well-known level-based game and a generic take on skill-based games. Hint, hint, we don't have a lot of luck there. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. So, we are recording. Hello, Chris. Hi, Jeremy. All right. We don't need to talk about our gaming because we haven't done any since last time we talked. So we can make up stuff, but we're not all about that. That's not. We make up stuff at our tables. We don't make up stuff about the stuff that we make up. <laughs> so, so what are we here to talk about today? I'm looking forward to this, and our backgrounds are representative of the two main tent poles of our discussion today. And the topic is, oh, how are we going to phrase it? Okay, <laughs> sorry. Uh, you should read it then. Uh, I guess like b- big media properties that do not translate or literary properties that do not translate into the role playing things, despite having role playing settings supposedly that are either based on them or inherit from them. Um, and yeah, kind of wise thing. And what we mean, I, I think what we mean by don't translate is. If you actually, and here are our two tent poles, big surprise, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. If you, what we're saying is, if you take, you, you go to the movies or you read the book, you're like, oh my gosh, I want to play this. Like well, every GM, every player has had that, that moment. Oh, I want, I want this thrill at my table. If you want to play either of those as they are presented and actually use the rules of some of the major games that are out there, maybe even either including the games that were directly and shamelessly and back in the 70s in violation of copyright law inspired (laughs) by Tolkien. Remember the halflings, they used to be called hobbits in the oldest uh, printings. Um, That it's really actually very hard, uh, maybe impossible, especially in some kinds of systems, to do these stories the way they are actually presented on screen or, uh, or in literature. I mean, this came out of literally after we finished recording our last episode, which depended on the order these come out on, um, was that one we talked about sort of the certain genres that don't really work very well in a campaign. And we just started joking about some of the things that we're now going to talk about. And Jeremy was like, we need, we need to do an episode of that. That's hilarious. We're probably, my worry was that all of the really funny, good stuff we said on Monday night will have since forgotten. No Um, way. But yeah, we'll we'll come up with more funny stuff. Yeah, it is worth pointing out what we're really talking about, because like we like talking about system, setting, story. We're not talking about setting here, okay? Mm-hmm. There's no reason you can't play in the Star Wars setting no. or in the Lord of the Rings setting. And there's another one we'll do at the end, probably, if we have time. We're talking mostly about story, and particularly the story. The story yeah. that you've seen, you've read about, or you've seen in the cinema, and you go, I really want to recreate that story. What we're kind of saying is it's, it's either A, you just can't, or you can't in the set in the systems that correct you probably would want to so let's start with lord of the rings let's do it we, 
we had a good laugh about that because I think we we started well we, the conversation was kind of like along the lines of wait a minute uh, what like D D is based the, on Lord of the Rings yeah so you know my my thought was it's 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 so obvious uh, given when D D came from you know the the uh, the Hobbit and then the Lord of the Rings books became very popular in the 70s. The Hobbit cartoon came out and was on television. That that whole Tolkien fantasy and many of the, the knockoffs and, and otherwise of it became very popular in the 70s and into the 80s. And so it it it's it was the literary foundation from which so much of DD uh sprung. And, you know, famously that, well, maybe not famously, but I know that, like I said, in the earliest versions of D&D, they weren't halflings, they were hobbits. And then Tolkien said, the estate, you can't do that. And so suddenly they become halflings. Um, yeah, I but mean, it's, you know, we can see, particularly in the, the races is the thing, obviously, that yeah. stands out. Your, your classic D&D, well, your classic fantasy races are humans and then elves, dwarves, halflings, and the main bad guys, orcs and goblins. Yes. Does and that dragons. sound familiar? Yeah. Because yeah. that that well, yes, because that's what Tolkien and, and elves and that's what we have. Elves are, you know, el elves are are they live for a long time. They 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 live in forests. They're pretty, uh all that stuff. G dwarves are gruff and they live underground and they mine things and and, um, and humans are the upstarts. I mean but that but that was Tolkien's world. Yeah. Where I where I grabbed onto this or started thinking about this is the idea of the fellowship and the fellowship in the literal sense is the fellowship being that group the, that now let's translate it into game terms, that group of adventurers and that group of adventurers in my mind is made up of three mechanically incompatible <laughs> subgroups. What are those mechanically incompatible? Because again, if we're taking D and D as it, as the way that most people would 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 seek to or and have sought to express this, maybe directly, what are those three uh, inco mechanically incompatible subgroups we've got? So obviously we have the hobbits. We have the four hobbits. Now you could say we're going to throw the hobbits away. The, the hobbit, two of the hobbits are the main characters. That's true. And the other two are virtually always, not always, but a good a chunk of the time. You know, let's if we take well both the last two books when the fellowship splits up. They do it in such a way that those two hobbits are, are intertwined with the other characters, you know, particularly in yes. Return of the King. So the hobbits. Um, yeah, that's a good point, in, actually. Story-wise, you, you can't take the hobbits as a single group because they are treated in pairs as to how yeah. they fit into the story. I hadn't thought about it in that way, but um, that's true. And if we look at them on D&D terms, they're sort of... I mean, they're MP. <laughs> they're like level well, yeah. zero people with NPCs. Like Mary classes. and Pippin are like, who the hell would want to play Mary or Pippin? Like, you, you'd have your obnoxious little brother or that one person, that one person in your party who always likes to, like, I'm being funny or I'm being wacky or I'm just playing my character and being well, a royal pain in the ass throughout. At least like, it, that's if you, if you get to the end of Return of the King and then like the expansion sort of yeah. stuff, at least then Mary and Pippin have got like, They've got extra size. They have extra strength. They're actually both half yeah. decent at fighting, and they basically fight a war in the Shire. So they may be by the end of that they have levels in a fighter or something. It takes a long time, but it takes a long time. But like Frodo, arguably the only reason Frodo you could even class as a thief is because he has the ring. He doesn't yeah. do any backstab, and he doesn't do any other thief stuff. He just has stealth. So arguably, most of those guys go through the three books 
with sort of their their level zero characters with NPC class. Yeah, and we let's just let's just That's take it. this. Let's let's we're going to take Lord of the Rings and the Fellowship. We're going to try to translate it through. D&D because that's what it informed. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I mean, Bilbo, we can clearly say, you know, you could slap some class levels on Bilbo, but Frodo, I mean, there isn't, there is no class levels. And even if we look at a skill-based game like 2D20, what does Frodo have? Okay, he's quite well read. That's it. He's quite well read. Arguably, he doesn't have ranks in stealth. He's a hobbit, and hobbits probably innately have some kind okay, of thing. But there's nothing about stealth. him yeah. that's, yeah, yeah okay. He's, he's not trained in it. He hasn't learned how to do stealth. Arguably, Merry and Pippi have. It sounds like they've spent most, you know, they probably have ranks in deception and stealth and maybe state of hand. They probably have that kind of stuff. Um, Sam can do gardening and cooking. Well, but and Sam also, much like a cleric, Sam has um, other character assisting buffs. Yes. You know, if, if this were two die 20, he would have some kind of talents that would, when he does something to assist another yes. character, that character would get bonuses like yeah. slap some dirt on it, Mr. Frodo, or something like that, where I, he, he emboldens Frodo to continue on. What you've really got here is that the, it, it would work better in 2D20, but they would still be horribly underskilled compared to the other. I mean, you can imagine, like, right, if we use like an archetype system where Sam has like the, the, the assistant or the sidekick or the best friend archetype, and he gets all these cool assistant stuff, and, and the other two get some things. And Frodo basically has nothing, but he gets a magic ring. That's it. He has a magic ring, and then people, everyone treats him like he's special and throws other magic stuff. You know what? Maybe there's throughout. maybe there's some kind of innate um, hobbit. Again, it goes back to the innate thing. Maybe there's some kind of innate hobbit quality. You'd call it a racial ability, or whatever they're calling him now. Uh, like on the D and D side, where you'd say, you know, maybe the the hobbits are less um, are slightly more resistant to. The, the 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 psychic overtures of the one ring you yeah, know the, the, the ambitious men are not and the you know the gold grubbing uh dwarves and the arrogant snob elves are the the, the you know or, or does it does the ring not work on the elves whatever but point is maybe there but, but again that, that that's something that would be of the hobbits not of them yeah as a character um, I'm going to do like the halfing ability in 5e where if you roll a one you get to re-roll the one which basically sure. is shown they're lucky that's that's cool yeah um but they're basically naff and over the course of three very large books frodo really frodo has character progression arguably he has like no skill progression he doesn't get better or anything he gets well, that, whinier he gets i want to yes whinier. he does I, I used to say, I've said for years, actually, not used to say, I've said this for years, that I, I wish there was a special, like, direct, a special director's collection of the three Lord of the Rings movies in which Frodo, all of his whining is removed. Each movie would be like 87 minutes, something <laughs> like that. Like three quarters of all Frodo scenes would be reduced. Anyway, okay, right. so, so the trouble Second with the group. Hobbits is that there's okay. virtually nothing about the Hobbits that is... Um, class worthy or yeah. level worthy now what's one of the other subdivisions so then we have 
I think we should, let's jump to the far, let's go to the far extreme because then we can come back to this yeah. idea we had. So the far extreme obviously is Gandalf. Now you can look at Gandalf yes. as, oh, you know, he's this wise old guy and he does a bit of magic. That's kind of what he's like in, in The Hobbit. You know, he turns up at the beginning and he sets them all off. He comes back, he, you know, he does some stuff. Yeah. He shows up and he takes these innocents and throws them into danger. That's yeah. another he, way of looking at it's it. It's like he's an NPC in that. But in Lord of the Rings, that isn't the case. You know, okay, he doesn't do huge amounts in the Fellowship. Oh, apart from when he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with a Balrog. Well, yes, almost wins. Um, and then he comes back and he's, you know, he's like, you know, the perfect example of he's leveled up. He comes back, it's like he's stronger, his magic's better, he looks better. You know, he's not bum like sort of bumbling buffoony anymore. He's like yeah. everything's sorted. And he, you know, just kicks ass. I mean, the guy's basically, you know, depending on how we look at it, he's like an angel or this like super powerful wizard. I mean, he's yeah. not a wizard in D&D terms because he spends no. most of the time walking around with this massive sword and riding a horse. Yeah, he doesn't have any armor. Yeah, find me a class that can be played like that, especially, I mean, in the original, in the original game. I mean, in fact, all the way up until you start all this like over the top, uh, like the prestige classes in 3X and beyond. Yeah, I guess you could say, well, yeah, he could multi-class as a magic user, fighter or something else. Yeah, and then wait until like 18th level in first or second edition to be able to do any of that stuff. So I'm going to say that, so we've got the one of those the subgroups. I said there were three, but in my mind, Gandalf is a subgroup of one. Yes. Because Gandalf is this outlier that that doesn't uh that doesn't fit well anywhere and you're right actually he, he it's so weird because so often i remember as a kid thinking gandalf's a wizard they called him the wandering wizard yep. but in dnd terms he's not he's not. not slinging spells uh he's not making magic items by burning up experience he's he, he it what an odd archetype it doesn't fit the things that that flow from it. It's like the professional athlete whose kid becomes like a chess master. Like, where did that come from outside of maybe competitiveness? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of he's not as bad. We'll get to Jedi and Star Wars, but he's kind of like that. He can do everything. The difference is, is that he kind of he, he doesn't he doesn't do it all the time. You know, you kind of get the feeling he could do stuff, but you know, for most of that first film, he kind of just does a bit of sword fighting and he shows that he is clever and he can do magic when he needs to, but he doesn't really. It's not until yeah. you know he fight, fights Saruman and throws around no, some it's, actual magic. It's fascinating, then, actually. It's a really good point because he re what he really does is he provides he provides narrative motivation and he provides information. So as a as a plot device, he's the foot that kicks their ass over the cliff. Or says, come a little closer. Hey, kid, try this. Don't be a square. You know, he, he goes ahead and entices them to, to go off on this thing. And then, um, and then he provides information to the characters. Yeah. But yeah, he doesn't do any wizardy kinds of things. It's, it's, his wizarding is weird because it's like, oh, he fights Saruman, so then he needs some magic. But then he's going to fight some orcs and a troll, and he just, like, hits him with a sword. Yeah. And then he goes to fight a Balrog, and it's like he's, he's probably using some magic there, but you know, but he's still fighting with. I think sword. it's the robe and the pointy hat. I think yeah. that was he that was like the disguise that fooled people into thinking, "Oh, he's a wizard." And then the use of the term "the wandering wizard." So, I mean, you know, if if you were going to look at that, you got something like Radagast is straight up much more of a, a, a wizard, although yeah, good point. a druid, because you don't see him do any of the crazy fighting no. stuff. He talks to animals, and and that's that.
Um, and then Saruman, again, you don't see Saruman fighting. Saruman has a big staff and he does magic and he leads an army. That's so, but yeah, Gandalf's like, I mean, you know, who, who let Gandalf be part of that D and D party? So, yeah. I want to be a really good fighter. Oh, I want really high levels in like authority and everyone knows me. I want to be able to do kick-ass magic occasionally. A 12 year old kid. Yeah. That's who, that's what it was. So, so we've got the hobbits and the question is what if you were going to go D D, like what what classes would they even be they, they're really like npc classes is yeah. what it seems like then you've got gandalf what i have no idea what odd mishmash of classes would you use what about the other subgrouping which actually is a group so the other group then does at least feel like a D party except for there's there's one issue i have with them yeah so we obviously have we have aragorn and we have gimli and legolas and boromir until he kicks it um but you know we have a group of four people there mm -hmm. um hey that they, sounds like all, an adventuring party <clears throat> sounds like adventure party. they're all very well skilled or an adventuring party sounds like them is more like yeah. it um and that you know they're all they're all they're all well they're all skilled they're all well trained they all have their key different weapons mostly they fight yeah. with slightly different weapons um they some of them have magic like things um they have different Over backgrounds time, yeah, yeah sounds cool the one issue i had is actually if you try to match them to classes this is how i would actually go uh because everyone goes oh aragorn he's definitely a ranger well he's well, called a ranger isn't he, he he's called a ranger but in D, &D terms he he doesn't he doesn't cast spells nope um and he does he's not one of those old school rangers or pathfinder rangers where he has an animal companion unless you so wait a minute so you're saying he could be a second he could not a, he could be a first edition ranger but with not a particularly high wisdom so that he couldn't cast the spells yeah, so I think really sounds I might say, well, he's a fighter because that's what he does. He fights. Yeah, he might have a good, he might have a high charisma, um, but he basically is a fighter because we see him do lots of fighting. He knows some stuff. Maybe a skill, maybe a proficiencies in like arcana or nature and stuff. But he's basically a fighter. He's not yeah. really a ranger. He's not doing a lot of rangery stuff. Gimli obviously is a fighter. Totally. And then we go to Legolas, and all we can say is, oh, he's a fighter again. Or. Well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't do any magic. No. So he's not he's an elf. When elf was a class in, yeah. in the earliest time of, of first edition, he doesn't fit that. Yeah, he is a fighter, albeit one that who, whose focus is on ranged attacks. Yeah, but even when he uses hand-to-hand -hand attacks, he has. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like Legolas is just a person who had really high stats. He just rolled well. Actually, Aragorn did as well. And then you go to Boromir, and people like to go, oh, you know, Boromir is a barbarian because in the old Ralph Bakshi cartoon, yeah, he that's what he looked like. Right. He looked yeah, like he's got the fuzzy loincloth and all that. Or... And you know, he kind of rages a lot. But underwear. then if you kind of if you'd go off the films or off the books, it's just another fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and also <laughs> barbarian does not make sense given his no. lineage. No, not at all. Given his own personal background, barbarian makes no sense whatsoever. So yeah, the Bakshi cartoon, um, Work. So then, then I go that right. So, so we so have four a, fighters. We have four fighters. We have we have four level zero NPC class losers. We have four fighters, uh, and then, I mean, realistically, I think I feel like Gandalf. And this is what came to you. Gandalf's the DM. Gandalf's like literally, he's dungeon master. He turns up, he tells you some stuff you need to do. He then pisses off. He then comes back and spouts some more. Useless he is so. Stuff. So what you're saying is that Gandalf is the DM's desire to, to, to be involved in the story more than it's just the DM. Yeah. 
You're just okay. like when they need to be pointed in the right direction or things aren't quite working out or they've gone off on a tangent. You know, it's like taking the two towers, the three people, instead of concentrating on fighting, the people, they've decided to go off and chase after two hobbits. They're not mm. going and solving the war in Rohan or going up against Salmon. They decided the most important thing is going after those two NPCs that went, Merry and Pippin, and that's what they're going to do. And then he goes, oh, for God's sake. So the DM goes, oh, Gandalf turns up, and now he's white and says, oh, Ooh. no, there's something a-brewing in Rohan. We need to go and solve that one. And they go, oh, okay. So, yeah. Gandalf's something else, too. If the, if the DM is running Gandalf, as a uh, as a as a personal GM PC, that explains away the the fact that it doesn't fit any class because it's just it's just the DM's narrative avatar. Yeah, and the DM reserves the right to break any rules he darn well wants to, so he just puts together this oddball character. Now, what about for the other four? For the four fighters? with some variety between them. What levels are we talking about here? Because I think this is important. I mean, I guess it doesn't hugely matter. I mean, you're not high. You're in the sort of, you know, between five and 10, that sweet spot where you yeah. gained a couple of interesting abilities. The playable nothing range. Start, yeah, you, you, nothing started getting silly yet or complicated. I mean, arguably Gimli doesn't have some of the really cool stuff, but you could explain that away. But I mean, this, again, this is why a skill-based thing starts looking better, but then you start going, well, wait a minute. Aragorn and Legolas are both good with sword, bow, athletics, yeah. nature, perception, all these other things. And Gimli, he's good with his axe and, and he's a dwarf. So he probably has cool dwarf stuff. Um, and then yeah. so it, it, it falls apart. Then again, essentially what we're saying is the, these guys don't, any kind of idea of balance, which virtually every role-playing game that we can think of, we've done a whole episode on balance mm -hmm. before, and we've said it doesn't really matter. But this is a perfect example. If you try to do, for any system, because even if you say, well, right, we've, we've kind of said, look, it doesn't really work in D&D, despite D&D being based on it. If you try to do the, the fellowship in a skill-based system, it still wouldn't work, because yeah. the person trying to do Aragorn and Legolas would run out of points, and the person trying to do Gimli would have spare points because they'd have to start. Oh, did, did you know that Gimli's actually an expert cook as well? Oh, and he can sail. Oh, wow. yeah. Who well, knows? I, all these here. I why don't you points left. Beef up a bunch of stuff that, that isn't going to be used at all. Yeah. Or you have the question of what kind of group of players is going to be hip to the idea of, okay, listen, hey, you know, like for example, Octon Cthulhu, you start out with um, 51 points, 51 points between your attributes for a new player character. Okay, so listen, you're gonna be uh, at 51 points. You're gonna be the, the private or the corporal or the buck sergeant, okay. Um, you're gonna start off with 75 points because you're the seasoned operative. You're gonna work together. Uh, now, that, that, can, that can work in stories, but you're right, I think this, um, this unconscious, unexamined adherence to the idea of balance and also just the sense of, I think, I, I think generally most people want to approach the game from a sense of parity with other players. That creates a that creates a problem. Looking at a level-based system, what are you going to have? Let, let's be let's be kind and let's give the hobbits um, levels. Let's make them like first or one, second level, one, something or others. One. What? They're all ones. <laughs> They're all level ones. And so if we have four level one characters and then we take the fighters and let's put them all, let's say like seven, yeah, like, like yeah, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, se like yeah, right in there. You have seven, eight, nine, ten. And then you've got this like weird 
you know, your your thirteen year old GM made up um, Gandalf. I, I don't know what that is. Um, given, especially the last twenty some years with D and D and challenge ratings, <laughs> forget about balance between characters. How about the the dependence? of on balance between characters to balance encounters. How do you build encounters? Yeah, I mean, you couldn't. Almost anything that is a it. remote challenge for the four fighters one-shots the four half Right. Which, which, uh, which did never happen. Yeah. But which like, narrative? Know, but, wait, what do you mean never happened? In the, in the stories well, or what? At, at no point did any of them take one hit. And, I mean, you know, just they, they, oh, didn't, yeah. they didn't die. They made it through all of those encounters, and they got all the way to the end, and they survived. Boromir got into a fight with a bunch of orcs or Urukai, which they're higher level orcs. Sure. Um, and he did actually die. And Gandalf died. But Gandalf died fighting the Balrog. So Yeah, okay. So this is a good point. You've got you could say, How well, do those the, the Urukai, they never hit the hobbits. So they couldn't do all that damage that they did to poor Sean Bean's character. <laughs> but wait, how in the heck if the if the Urukai were badass enough to take down Boromir? You know, maybe you could say, well, they're not that bad, but ah, but there are several of them. So they get some kind of a, you know, a group attack bonus. You know, they're going to, even though he's, let's say, make him an eighth level fighter. If they're, you know, you have four or five of them that are lower challenge rating, they're going to eventually catch up with him. How did they then not ever catch up with the hobbits? What did the hobbits have to bear, be able to bring to bear mechanically to continuously avoid them? Unless you just keep lumping more like racial abilities on the hobbits, so, like they can just slip out of any problem whatsoever. I, I think you actually go through the sensible DMing thing where you just go, they are so not a threat that you just don't attack them. You just don't bother wasting attack. You know, they just didn't attack them. They attacked them. But the Urukai were after them because they had the ring. Yeah, but they capture them. So that they literally oh, just true. like, they just grab them. They grab them and run. They don't bother fighting them. Um, but so actually, yeah, one, yeah. The hobbits don't do much fighting. Um, that's kind of the same all the way. You know, the only about the time you see the hobbits doing much fighting is is by the time you get to the third book, or arguably when they're in the in, in the mines in the in the yeah. first one. Um, and this, by the way, remember, listeners, we are. I mean, I think we're not being explicit in our separation here, but you know, there's the um, there's the 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 wire foo fast and furious level action of the movies. Yeah. And then there's what's in the books. So you could you could consider either. You could take either route and say, how am I supposed to express this with levels or skills? So clearly there's a problem. But I, I think I think you, even if you say we're not going to use it, like the level-based system clearly has massive issues. Even yeah, if does. you just take the four, the four fighters, <laughs> I think you've still got issues. Um, but I think, I think if you go down a skill-based thing, I think you've got issues again. Now, one of the reasons I think you avoid this is that, like we said, um, we're kind of applying this to a campaign thing. As a campaign, this doesn't work very well. As a one-shot, it could work. You give each of the four pieces, each of the four players, you give them one of the four fighters. They also get one of the hobbits to play in scenes where the fighters aren't there or as a, to look after, so they're always having to defend that one. And like we said, Gandalf is the gene. Um, and then that worked, but it would, it would have to be on a short thing. Like the thing you said about some characters are way more powerful than others. In a one-shot, I think that matters way less, because in a one-shot, and we talked about this last episode, in a one-shot, it's mostly about telling the story. Whereas in a campaign, it isn't just the story. The story evolves over time. The story might end up being something very different, but also you kind of got, 
you know, it's about, it is about improving your characters and the character development, and, but also character development in terms of personalities, but also skills and more armor and all this other cool stuff. You, that doesn't, you know, Lord of the Rings isn't trying to do that. It's, it's, it's a big, long, epic story, but it's not a campaign, arguably, even though it's long. Um, it, it wouldn't work because someone's got to play, you know, Gimli, and Gimli's a bit naff, really. I think you, I think you just hit on something, though. And uh, and this will be a shameless plug for for two D twenty. You could have the core party as the fighters. You could build tough fighters using a generally nondescript fantasy system hmm. that maybe someone's working on. Anyway, you Something. could do that. And then what you do is you use the supporting characters mechanic. Yeah to flesh out the, the hobbits when they are used separately from the, the the four core characters and then you use the player controlled npc mechanic and protect them but then that becomes part of that that becomes a mechanical expression of a story element and then yeah. gandalf is just flat out reserved as the gm showing up as dungeon master Gandalf master and and doing that and then you just don't have to worry about it yeah um I think that could work you can't do it I I maybe I don't know maybe you I maybe you could try that same thing with D&D with a level-based system I think you but got, I think, I think the mechanics are already built in to use those those yeah. four hobbits in a more sensical way in 2d20 I think you can do it in D and D or level based thing. I think you've got to accept that the four hobbits are not PCs. Yeah, and just at all, just or if they are going to be PCs, you just you you know you. It's easier to have no. They're like your backup characters, and you're only using when they go off and do yep. their own thing. And the rest of the time, they're just they're NPCs, and you're guarding them. That would be so much easier. Yeah, there can't um, be parity right. between them and the others. Let's move on to our second property. Well, yes. Mine is above me, but it could be to the left or right of me, um, which is Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Now, we've got a similar thing here if we're talking about leveling, but there's a very different story here because the thing we have here, we, we've said in Lord of the Rings that none of the characters massively develop. Okay, you know, they have stories and Aragorn goes from like, you know, ranger to reluctant king to king. Yeah. But does he get much better at anything? We don't know. Now, if we look at Star Wars, of course, we have the classic that in... When we say stories, of course, we're talking about the original trilogy. We're not talking about the prequels, because nope. um, that would easy be easier. To and we're not going to mention the other ones. Well, yeah, that would nope. actually that would have similar problems. Yeah, 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 good point. Just you can repeat the exact same problems. The prequels would be very different. Everyone's a Jedi. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, easy, very easy, um, except for the Padme player. Um, so if we go with the original trilogy, like we jokingly said this, the other we kind of said right to start off with in D and D terms at the start of New Hope episode four what you want to call it um or just star wars luke is like he's you know level maybe he's level two or three maybe if you're being generous um you know if, and if we're looking we're not going to do D, D levels we're going to do you know there was a star wars saga thing he's, you know, he's maybe got a level in pilot or something because we had different classes in that um han might genuinely be level seven eight nine ten he's, he's very good at fighting he's very good at flying a ship He's also, you know, he has proficiencies in sort of like charm and ship maintenance and piloting, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, Chewbacca arguably is even higher level because of his age. Um, yeah. You know, he's probably got a massive stack of hit points and, you know, huge stress stats. Andy can use a gun. Andy can fix the ship. Oh, Andy can fly the ship as yeah. it turns out. Um, and then you disagreed with Leia, but I think Leia is somewhere between Luke and 
and I, I think you're right. More I thought about it, a, I think you're right. You know, she's a diplomat. She, is, she doesn't have anything. But she has a very, you know, she's probably a very high charisma, but she'll have massively high skill ratings in, you know, anything to do with diplomacy and persuasion and potentially also deception and all, insight, all yeah. kinds of things like that. You know, you'd need a whole class where what she gets is loads of cool abilities about doing diplomacy things and leading people. Um, you know, so you know something, you know, that, something else too. Way. And I think this is most most pronounced with Han and Leia. Both of them have, through knowledge and connections and potential leverage through yeah. their connections and their position and their experiences, that to me implies, you know, if you were using a system that had some kind of um, like storyteller. Yeah, like, yeah, built into, well, yeah, exactly. At, 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 upon creation with backgrounds, but also systems that, um, like, as you finish adventures, you establish new traits yeah. or, you know, status. You know, it, it, you, you, you pin more things to the character that say, I was here. I now have access to these people or these resources. That right there implies some period of growth having already taken place. And that's clearly not the, 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 the word I'm looking for, situation with, uh, with Luke. No, I mean, because the others, if we go across the, you know, Chewbacca probably doesn't develop at all across three films. He was already no. very high level. He stays high level. Han, again, I wouldn't say gets, maybe he learns to be a bit more tolerant, in it, but he gets ranks. He gets kind of, you know, in-game Right. Or story kind of benefits. He gets a he gets a rank, he pays off jab, all that guy. He gets that. Leia yeah. arguably does level up. We see Leia actually doing some combat throughout the sort True. of the later ones. He does more than just being a pretty face, although she does you know, Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot to and, and he, if you were to draw out the uh the many books that came out before the prequels, yeah, that now, you know, don't exist outside of canon. Leia develops like her Jedi powers and things. There yeah. are there are mechanically definable things that she picks up over time. But yeah. then Luke breaks any kind of whether it's level based or just skill based. He just breaks any kind of system because he goes from yep. in the first film he's very very low level. Okay, he's quite good at piloting. We're told that repeatedly. Quite good at piloting. He gets to be he gets how to use a lightsaber. He can't use it. You know, he's not Ray in Force mm -hmm. Awakens, who the first time she well, was a lightsaber. It's Mary beat Sue. Someone, and that, I just that's, ignore that's that because I was like, Ray's middle name's Mary Sue. Again, it, I, just, that never bothered me when I watched it because I was with Dad, and we were like, "Oh, this is awesome." Um, but you can go back and go. You can get annoyed by that, or you can not be annoyed. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. But like, you know, Luke doesn't do that, and then at the end, he gets a. You know, he's flown a ship. Okay, with that, and he gets a lucky shot because Obi yeah. one lets him use Force, which is like him developing his Force. Now, in the second one, he's probably already on par with Han. So wait a minute, he's gone from like level one to like eight. Well, and he, he I just, if you were a level, away. if you were using a level based system, Luke's got to pick up a level or two during A New Hope. Yes. I think. And Han yes. does not. No, nobody else does. No. Uh, but you're right. I, mean, I think by, by the time yeah. Empire comes around, he's, he's picked up obviously even more, which makes sense because time has passed. Yeah, but it's like two years. You could you could make sense of that on a character sheet by saying, "Well, I added these levels," and like in you know five E and you know three X land. Hey, this level brought me this new class ability and this stat boost. And da, 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 da. but what's the implication as Luke rockets forward up the scale of levels? Well, I don't know. We're going to say balance again. <laughs> well, yeah, the the lack of balance. Like, what is yeah. 
if Luke's like, what are the, are the experience and remember back in first edition, the experience bands for levels were different. They yeah. weren't all the same. Is Luke's class <laughs> junior Jedi. He, like he needs 10 experience points to make his neck. And then like 20 and 40, everyone else is like, no, Han, you need 40,000 experience to make your neck. So yeah, we're all chugging along and collecting experience points. And Luke's character's like, yeah, yeah I chose the right class. His players. That, like, that would actually right work class. in one of those systems where the XP is different in each class. It would yeah. actually work. Sure. Like she piss off the other people up. at the table. But it's the same. If you, if you did it on a skill based thing, you're basically going, right. Han, you start with 100 skill points, and Duke, you start with 110, Leia, you get 60. Right, and then you, you run this three-session like Star Wars thing, and the rest of right, guys, between session one and two, Han, you can, you can have four, four points, Chewie, you don't get any. Leia, you can have 20 points. Uh, Luke, you get 100. Yeah. Sorry, what? Yeah, you get 100. Oh, and here's a bunch of abilities you couldn't right. do before you get that. You and know, then you go to Jedi, and you're like, yeah, Luke, you get another 100. Um, you know you can is? add all this other stuff. This is like uh, if the uh, uh, Luke's player is the GM's best friend. Or Everyone else at the table is like, this is crap. Even better. It's the girlfriend that had never and played yes, role-playing yes. before. I was say and she that. started off with a really simple character <laughs> that was easy to do. And you're just showing her, right, hey, this, this is how you use a lightsaber. You roll this, you add that skill. There this is go. how you do piloting. Oh, you, oh you've got a... No, it's all right. <gasps> you Let's destroyed the Death Star. Yeah, Woo, well you're, done. Right, next time. She's, she's played a bit more. All right, guys. Second story now. Okay. Um, I've, I've leveled up my girlfriend's character. She now has the force and she has her own lightsaber. She's, oh, and she's you also know what, though, got hey, a rank. But that just means that, that it's going to be more balanced between everyone. Everyone else is just sitting there. Yeah. This actually oh. makes real sense as well because then they stay together for a Jedi and he makes them even more powerful. But then, and they maybe they got married for Jedi. But then in between that and last Jedi, they got divorced and then he fing hated Luke. Sorry for swearing. And then that's why Luke's such a <laughs> shit character in Last Jedi. Because he's like, I never liked him. I never liked Luke. This is what Luke's going to be like. Grumpy, grumpy like old. Bitter, bitter guy on an island yeah. drinking like mutant yak milk. That was it. Like, I Luke mentioned was a, the movie. Ugh, what'd you do Luke, to me? Luke was an NPC in Last Jedi. Luke and he ruined the character to get his payback. Even though they'd been divorced for 20 years. It didn't matter. I'm ruining this character. She loved this character. I'm going to ruin him. Uh, I would like Luke anyway. Luke was always annoying. It was always so. Bad. So so back to uh, so it doesn't it doesn't work with levels. Star Wars does absolutely does not work with levels unless you're willing to have some people just sit there and not gain levels while someone else like rockets up the scale and picks up Wazoo powers. And then again, it brings up this problem of encounter balance. Yeah, be all over the shop. I mean, all over the all over the map. What are you going to do? Like, oh, let, let's just have. And then the moment you introduce Darth Vader to the scene, you know, and think about this: in a typical Darth Vader, it, okay, if if Darth Vader did not exist in the popular consciousness, okay, if you you remember the scene in um, Empire where they show up in Cloud City and he's like, "Come join me for dinner," and he like steals, you know, that kind of thing. Whatever. Just blocks lasers with his. Blocks a blocks a blaster. Just, he's that cool. Uh, <laughs> what if you dropped that character? What would the party do? What would nine out of ten? Ninety nine. Oh, they, uh, they were just attacking. They would just right. keep attacking him. They would right. They they would and they then, would attack, and then Darth yeah. Vader would do what? Well, Darth Vader does what he does. It's straight away just 
he blocks his attack and then takes his steals his weapons off him. Well, but then at that my, point they stop attacking. They realize. No, no, I'm saying futile. what? Would, but what would your typical stable of players do? They just carry on attacking, and they, they would just, TPK. Yeah, Darth they Vader would just was like TP. they they wouldn't accept it. They would be going and hitting him with their yeah. fists, and he's like, okay, boom. Yeah, he would dead. TPK them, or he would knock them out. He he would he would win. Period. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a. And then skill based, I mean, you would again, like you said, you'd have, you know, Han Solo, you still Chewbacca, you start with 150 points. Oh, and by the way, the the maximum skill in piloting is X. Yours is X plus three because you're Chewbacca. Yeah. It just, it it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work because the the jump in what you have to give to Luke, you're basically telling me, yeah, sorry guys, you're not gaining any skills because you're already skilled. Um, But this other guy is going to gain all the skills and all these cool abilities you don't have access to. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, if you use the most recent Star Wars game, I mean, none of the, we've we've talked about this already. That the Star we like the Star Wars role playing. Well, yeah. we're not the one in the middle, but we like the original D six version, and I like the new one that you know with the, the narrative dice thing. But actually, if you try and do the stories in it, you can't. I'm not even sure you can make Luke very easily at all. You can make yeah. Farm Boy Luke easily. Yeah. The minute you start trying to add on all the Jedi stuff. Out. On top of his all his piloting stuff, you would it, it would need so much XP to do it. Again, um, what you said at the beginning though still holds true. Lord of the Rings as a setting and the types of stories, types of stories that took place in it or take place in it, however you want to look at it. Same thing for Star Wars. You could make characters. I mean, and and you know we can debate the the value and uh, and appropriateness or whatever um of level based versus skill based versus whatever types of systems forget about that you can make characters and play in the star wars universe you make players in you know play in the lord of the rings you can go run around the shire mirkwood or whatever like that so it's not the setting that that does the damage it's the stories that those original authors put in those settings and they're great stories, but they actually just don't translate mechanically to a tabletop role-playing game as they are because of how we've built expectations for characters and encounters and things like that and experience. Yeah. This doesn't make now, sense. I do have a solution for both of these. And oh. to use that, I'm going to talk about another example of something that at first glance, it is impossible to play this part. Um, and that is if we go to comics and we we look at the we look at the avengers yeah now realistically the avengers is is it's gandalf lord of the rings stupid level in the classic if we go the classic classic it's like 10 years old <laughs> if we go to the avengers lineup in the first avengers film um we go from you know we have captain america okay he's like superhuman well barely yeah. superhuman top level human uh, he has a cool shield that does cool stuff. He's like got all of the charisma in the world and like, you know, off the charts speech making skill. Um, because I'm not doing, I'm going to do skill based for this. It doesn't work in levels because very, you know, no one's really made a level based superhero thing. Because even when they did it in Mutants and Mastermind, you start at level 10. Yeah. And you go up and down in points. They 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 didn't have you advance, so everyone starts this level. And also, um, it's, it it didn't really have classes. Like, what, no. what the heck is a what class is a Captain yeah, America? So let's stick with skills. So so we got Cap, Iron Man. He's like super intelligent. He can build whatever he wants, and he happens to always walk around in a variation of different sets of super cool power armor that give him like any ability he wants. Um, 
And then, you know, we have the Hulk, the strongest lion. He just gets stronger. You know, if you went D&D, actually, Hulk's a barbarian, so it would work. So, you know, we have the Hulk. He's the strongest thing alive. He gets hit, he just gets stronger. He can, he's virtually indestructible. Um, and we can keep going down that way. We have Thor, God, the God Thor, you know, the yep. Norse God from myth, that one, Thor. That one. Um, and then in the same party um, is, is a quite fit lass that uh, is good with her things and really good stealthy stuff. And she probably, you know, she's very well trained and maybe has some borderline pushing her into like you high know, level I would stuff, put her, crazy like, stuff they've done to her. I take Captain America and he is like physically and charisma wise, he's like absolute like pinnacle of humanity. Yeah. But his the, the thing that pushes him over the edge to like superhuman is the fact that he's got all of these different things and he's got his shield and crap like yeah. that. She doesn't have Black Widow doesn't have all that synergy, yeah. but she's still top level in some ways, top level human. And the last yeah. one is Guy with Bow. Guy with Bow. Great shot. I mean, he's, ve- he's he's a very good shot. Yeah. Um very and occasionally they let him be a pilot as well. Right. Uh, but he, he's just, he's a, he's a really good shot. Now, th- again, if you, if you try and do that properly in most superhero systems, it wouldn't make any sense. If you played, if we go back to like classic, the one we talked about the most, the classic phase rip, Marvel superheroes, in the same party, that just makes no sense. And it's kind of that thing you said, balance. How can you balance yeah. an encounter where you have to have something that is a challenge, anything that's a challenge for Thor and the Hulk, one shots Hawkeye. Yep. He just goes and he's dead. Just dead, dead. Like, you know, it's like boy's dead, where he's been pulped into the ground and bloods and bits have gone flying yeah. everywhere. Yeah. That that's what would happen. He he's a good shot. Now you can be a nice GM and only have the guy that's kind of like Hawkeye to fight Hawkeye. Right. You could you have, have the, the big bad you know. have some footmen who that's who Hawkeye deals with. Or maybe but, Hawkeye is off on the other side of the encounter trying to save the innocents who are trapped in a bus or something like that, that yeah. the, 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 the big bad guy has like, you know, kicked to like the edge of a cliff or something. You're right. You could find some ways. And, and I actually, I'd argue that, that that's how you make an encounter interesting is you, you put different challenges yeah. within it. Um, but, you know, that's a massive disparity in a thing. But yeah. I have seen a system where they were all completely playable, which was not the most recent because they ain't going to work um, because they actually have different levels. Although, I've lost count now of what they're doing with their levels and stuff. Yeah, I've yeah. thrown out of the window. So I've kind of given up and I'll just wait the book comes out. Um, but the most recent that's actually released, the Marvel Heroic System, which uses Cortex, actually worked fine because it's a n- narrative system. Yes. And narratively, it works in that because Thor gets like a D12 in me- super strength and a D12 in lightning powers and a D12 hammer. So he gets to roll really high dice and Thor's thing comes in. It, he can do loads of different stuff. And narratively, he's super strong and super tough and he can fly and he can do all this cool stuff. Um, but Hawkeye still gets like, like a D10 in agility and, yeah. uh, and can do lots of cool things with his boat. Now, if you have Hawkeye fight Thor, then you know, it, it's closer than it should be. But the point yeah. is, well, they're not meant to be fighting each other. So right. that's not really an issue. Um, and it, and it, it worked. You didn't have to worry about, oh, no, this thing can one-shot Hawkeye because kind of if something did hit Hawkeye, well, he's not dead dead. He hasn't got hit mm. points. He would go down. He'd be knocked out for that scene. Right. He'd get back up in the next scene. And you'd use the narration. You know, you, you deal with everything narratively. 
I think and, that, and that's it worked. A, okay. And it, it worked really, really well for that. So you could have this completely mixed party of the Avengers. And okay, Hulk and Thor were a bit better than the others. Um, but the others still had a lot to do. And actually, that's why in the character creation rules for that game, which everyone moaned about, it literally just said, well, you put the dice stats where you feel is appropriate for the character you're trying to mm. make. It didn't say do it balanced. It didn't give you yeah. so many points. It just said, figure it out the way you want. You. Well, in narrative systems, in, in my experience, highly narrative games work best when the players and the GM are really on the same page because they, they, they actually, they need to be on the same page in terms of the vibe and what's permissible and what's, what's acceptable and what's, what's possible. They need to be more on the same page than in a more mechanically dense system because the mechanically dense system acts as that, that translation system yeah. between people. Like, but a more narrative system that requires people to actually, and I don't say this is a good thing or a bad thing, but they, they've just got to figure it out. Like for our yeah. group, what does that mean? And so those I things actually, mean less. I think that's a really good point. And I think actually, if you go back to the Lord of the Rings now, go, right, let's do Lord of the Rings again with a very narrative system. Actually, now suddenly it works because hmm. Merry and Pippin's just blind luck and bit cheekiness suddenly become useful abilities that gives yeah. them dice to roll that gives them stuff they can do sam's just never give up never die attitude gives him tons of dice that he gets to roll in certain situations frodo's still a nine but he has a magic ring and plot armor um and then gandalf just has a bunch of cool stuff that he can do but maybe it needs tons of sort of meta currency which is why he doesn't get to sling spells around all the time. He has to build it up to then like slam down a whole bunch of crazy stuff. And then he has to build it up again. So actually then in a narrative system, suddenly it worked. Star Wars still doesn't fully work because mm. Luke still goes from this to this. Yeah. Um, so it's still, <laughs> well, Luke I think still also breaks the system. If, uh, a narrative system. If everyone around the table is committed to a certain kind of story, the place of the individual character changes than in a game, a more traditional RPG, where we're all working on this together. And the implication is from a relatively equal starting point or equal standing. And we're all contributing to build the story. Whereas in a more narrative type of uh, arrangement, you might have everyone saying, this is the story we'd like to tell. Like this is the end type of endpoint we want to reach, and so we're going to use our characters in subordination to in support in support of that, rather than let's work together to figure it out as we go. Characters yeah. are different animals in that. Like you might look at your character, your character is a plot device within the story you're willing you're working to tell, not your character is your avatar. That's a little different. That's why suddenly you can have now the stats where you have the things like values, which you know. Yeah. If you've listened to this podcast for ages, you'll know I'm not a big fan of it. But then suddenly your values matter more. Yep. And so then characters that aren't as strong or as powerful, like in a, you know, from sheer power levels, yep. doesn't matter because it's on what they can deal with narratively. And likewise, you can have how you do something, mm -hmm. not how good you are at doing it. So then you can have, you know, and you work on that and suddenly it doesn't matter so much. Yes, or something or like Small World. That was called Smallville. Small, small, small world, world. Yeah, game. exactly. Smallville, you know, where everything is about relationships and the, yeah. the importance of like your, your connection to these, other, your commitment, you know, maybe I've never played the game, but I've heard about it. like maybe something like fellowship because of this commitment 
to one another in the fellowship, maybe maybe you do it, that could work. But I think you're yeah. right that the the big problem comes when there are huge disp- clear disparities, great disparities between the most potent, powerful characters and the least. And if you try to marry, no matter what, but then when you try to marry that with a more, what is the more typical mechanically robust and under the cert, you open up the hood and you're like, oh, this is trying to be balanced. It's trying to be balanced in characters and it's trying to be balanced, whatever that's supposed to mean in encounters. And you just run face first into this wall that even though you've been inspired to play these things and these things have informed, again, D&D, they actually don't work. Not like that. You know, it would be, would be clever is if there was a system where it has really good mechanics and all the crunch mechanics if you want that, but it only needs a tiny bit of tweaking and it can also run narratively. Hmm. Hmm. So expect me to do a narrative supers game for 2D20. Do it. A, it's much easier to write and B, yeah. I, based on what we said last episode and what we've said this episode, I'm kind of starting to think that that's the only real way to run supers. I think you're um, right. And maybe it's why everyone says masks is so good because that's how masks right. does it. That's its thing. But I think, yeah, 2D20 offers so many options to to push it. We've seen this, Infinity and Conan, and then the other end of the spectrum, and then, you yeah. know, things in between. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I don't and know that- I have now, I, I, I haven't exactly been memorizing all of the posts in the World Builders uh, uh, channel on their the official discord or elsewhere i don't know if i've heard anyone talking about a supers i'm really not a narrative one you should do that (laughs) absolutely do that Mm. all right there we go so yeah so again we're not saying don't play in the settings we're just saying consider your story when you're picking your system and the next time you go see a movie and you're so jazzed walking, like before the credits are even rolling, oh my gosh, this is GMs, especially this happens to us. Oh, I want to run it like this. Think about if you were considering actually just porting the whole thing into a system, especially a level-based system, put some thought into it before you just try to squeeze it through the mechanics that are sitting there in front of you. Yeah, that's what I think I might do before I get onto soup is, is a thing before that. So like a, a, two, a narrative 2D20 you've cinematic thing you've just seen this in the cinema and you want to know how to play it really quickly and easily try this yeah but i'd have to use values mm. i don't have to i can use i can you use don't it. have to you could use approaches or something like i that. can use approaches. styles or whatever yes like i feel like you need two all right well yeah, we'll we'll beat it. on that we'll beat on that later because i think that idea has legs yeah all right good go. good talking to you as always for now. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much. <laughs>